0: Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. My name is Frank Close. I'm joined by Hunter Brody, Jeff Mosher. And how are you gentlemen doing
1: today? Just drinking that coffee, baby. Another morning. Living that life.
2: Waiting for baseball.
0: (laughs) We all are. And and in the absence of baseball, we do have some interesting things to talk about today. One, we have a special guest. We have Philadelphia Phillies prospect Luke Leftwich will be joining us. And we'll talk a little bit about the safety protocol that has been coming out about resuming baseball. You know, We thought last week it was all going to be about the money, but players seem most concerned about their health above all else. And Bryce Harper has a plan to resume baseball. Kind of came a little late, but we'll break down what Bryce Harper had to say and his idea for reopening baseball. But I definitely want to take a moment to introduce our first guest, Luke Lefwich. If you are a big fan of the Reading Fight and Phil's, a fan of the uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, and we know they have some pretty passionate fan bases. Luke Leftwich is a household name, and he's a right-handed pitcher. I always want to think he's a lefty because his name is Leftwich, and I keep getting myself screwed up (laughs) for some reason like that. Son of former Major League pitcher, Luke, uh, there I said, Luke, Phil Leftwich, and his grandfather was former Major League pitcher, Tom Timmerman. So, so... Luke comes from a pretty big family of, of, of athletes, and he was featured in a couple of articles. I'll link them to you on 97.3 ESPN.com and sportstalkphilly.com, uh, where you can read about his career, and he had some things to say about uh, what it's like to be a, a minor leaguer, and Luke spent his off-season at Lululemon selling yoga pants. I love Lululemon. I, <laughs> I love it. I've never yeah, I have never. like in yoga little, pants. Yeah. I've never been.
2: I've Not never wearing been in them,
0: Lululemon. In well, my they life. have
1: vents They do.
2: I'll let you. I'll let you. Uh, leave you to that, Hunter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's more like compressions. You know, like oh, a sure, sure, compressions. That's, That's the- a heck of a
2: backpedal on your part, right there. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, we'll have to slip that into him at some point about Lululemon, but. Luke, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, Before we talk about yoga pants, I I guess my first question for you is you've had some pretty cool experiences. You played the Arizona Fall League and I've seen you pitched in some spring training games and I I got to see some of them personally. So first, before we talk about your your career and minor league life, what was it like to be with the big
3: club? The guys in the clubhouse, uh, they're actually really welcoming to the younger guys. They know especially the bullpen guys, like we'll go out there and sit with the relievers in the bullpen and they're really welcoming. They're really like, everybody knows why you're there. (laughs) You're backing up in case someone doesn't finish their inning. So it's not like a, there's no stigma between like big league, minor league. Like I'm not going to talk to you. No, a lot of those guys are awesome guys and really welcoming and actually getting in the game is, it's a ton of fun because I'm someone that feeds off the atmosphere of fans and Pitching at Spectrum Field in Florida, I had done it in the Florida State League with 500 fans there. And then I was pitching after Bryce Harper signed and it was packed to capacity and then some when everybody was down there. So, I mean, it was just a lot of fun and it's something that kind of drives me to want to make it for real because it's like if it was that awesome to just do it in spring training, then I imagine doing it for real is 10 times as good.
2: Um, was there a pitch that you've been working on Luke something's different uh, that you've been really trying to hone for this season or, or something that you added to your arsenal that you were hoping to unveil
3: Um, not really in terms of a specific pitch more of just kind of refining the ones that I usually throw um, I've been working a lot on figuring out my lower half and kind of fixing my lower half mechanics to get more out of my legs and get a little bit more velocity so I was getting pretty excited to get back out there and kind of show what I've been working on in that regard.
2: Was it your, your plant or your, your, your push off foot that you really.
3: Push off foot. I mm. tend to get uh, a little bit on my toe a little early and uses a lot of my quad rather than the big muscles, your glute, your hamstring and your quad firing together. So I've kind of tried to work on that a bunch.
0: Now, one of the, the things you you had been interviewed for in the past were for minor league salaries, and you've talked a, bit, a little bit about working at Lululemon and selling yoga pants. Um, but but uh, they were expecting to have some improvements in terms of uh, the, I guess the quality of life of minor league players. Uh, kind of where was that when play stopped this spring? And and do you, do you get the uh, are you confident that salaries might increase for minor league baseball players?
3: You know, it's tough to tell because us as minor leaguers, we don't have a union, we don't have anything like that, so it really is the big leaguers the union that they have that advocates for us and what I was hearing from a lot of the guys was that there are people that are fighting for it and I mean there isn't really much we can do about it everybody knows that we don't get paid very much but the higher you get up I mean our the facilities for the Phillies are really great like if you walk through the Lehigh Valley clubhouse and see the batting cages and everything like We're treated really well there. So we're fortunate, but I know other teams are not as fortunate when it comes to facilities. So hopefully there's, uh, I guess, certain players and higher up people can shed some light on some of the lives that other players go through and maybe improve it for the next generation that comes through.
2: Now, your, your, your father pitched in the major leagues, correct? Mm-hmm. And I correct. believe he pitched during the time that there was a, a strike-shortened season once. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I imagine that you guys...
3: Right during like right before that season, I believe, and then the strike happened, and then he came back after.
2: All right. Imagine there have been some interesting back-and-forth type stories uh, between
3: this. Yeah, I mean, he... That was, as we just said, he just got called up at that time. So it was... Right. Oh. Yeah, it was one of those, like, I just made it and then the season gets canceled and then uh who knows after that. But he's definitely been in my ear talking about what he was ta- like what he was thinking during the time, what he uh what he decided and why. And I mean there's I mean that was a really interesting time back then, but right now is unprecedented for sure.
0: So while you were at Reading last season, a couple of your teammates were getting a lot of attention and, and Alec Bohm and, and Spencer Howard. I was just curious, what is what is your insight on to those two guys? Like what, what do you see of a career for them?
3: I mean, everybody can see on the field that those guys are superstars. they Spencer's one of the best pitchers I've ever seen in person in the minor leagues. And Alex, another guy that's just a natural talent. And they both are hard workers too, which I mean, when you combine the hard work with that kind of talent like there is no ceiling but I mean I expect them to be career big leaguers along with a lot of the other guys I've played with and there's we have a lot of talent throughout our system but I think there are a lot of players that get overlooked because we have so much talent and I think that's a good place for the Phillies to be
2: Luke, when, when baseball does resume and we talked about the fact that maybe there won't be a minor leagues, but minor leaguers may be called upon to play, obviously there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, even if it starts up uh, from a health and safety standpoint and some other things that are, are included. Uh, are you the type that is just, I just want to play baseball, I don't care? Or have you paused to think about what, it, what kind of risks will be involved for you? Uh, if you happen to be able to play?
3: Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, oh, I just want to play, I want to play. And then you got to really take that step back and realize, like, this is a pandemic. The world is going through something that it hasn't gone through in ages. And that comes first, I think. I think that in order for us to play or for anybody to play, there needs to be some sort of safety guidelines and things like that, which they're, they're working on right now, so... That's definitely, I think, what comes first, the safety of the players, the staff, everybody that has to be at the stadium to put the game on. Like, that needs to come first before the game because baseball is currently my life, but there are a lot of things that are bigger than baseball.
0: Do you, do you think the player like yourself, who's who's kind of rising up through the system – might be willing to take more of a risk that if, if let's say another player who's a veteran decides to opt out, you know, that that's something that you're hearing a little bit about. Like what if somebody doesn't want to play because they have a health concern or whether it's themselves or a family member. Um, do, do you anticipate then a lot of people in, in your shoes uh, w- would be willing to take that risk to try to get into the major leagues this season?
3: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I've thought about that a little bit. But like I was just saying, the safety comes first. And obviously, if there's an opportunity like that, I would love to jump at it. But having said that, it would also have to be the right situation. Like, I wouldn't put myself or my family at risk for that. Because I personally believe that in a normal season, I give myself a good chance to make it anyways. So I don't know if I'd necessarily want to take a risk if it's unnecessary because I like to bet on myself and I'd like to think that uh, I can make it on my own.
2: So, so look, let me ask you this from from a fan standpoint meaning you as a baseball mm-hmm. fan and lover more so than a baseball player because you know something Frank and I and Hunter and on the podcast have talked about a lot is that we probably have to get used to watching baseball in a different Light than we've seen it in the past. There might be fanless stadiums, mm-hmm. uh, more than might. I mean, it looks like it's going to be that way. And I've said, well, as badly as I want baseball back, th- some of the context that's going to be missing might really affect how I consume it and how I view it. And I wonder for you if you've felt the same way. Do you feel it'll be different? Have you watched any of the Korean baseball just to see what it's yeah, I've like? Yeah, i watched ahead? a little
3: bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll 100% be different. It'll be. Mm-hmm. Pretty strange for a lot of the baseball fans in America to watch these superstars play with no one in the stands to cheer them on. Um, I mean, if you think back to a few years ago when the Baltimore series was played with no fans, like how weird that was, but they still played and they played good baseball. We've been doing this for so long that, I mean, you can still get in the mindset that it is like, this is for all the marbles. This is real. Once you step onto the field, we all grew up, grew up playing with nobody in the stands, high school games, club games, anything like that. So it's it's just kind of going back to your roots of like we've done this before. It is on a bigger stage, but it's not the end of the world. Like we can we can really make a product that the fans will still love to watch, and I mean it'd be interesting to see. If some of the broadcasts can put in some of those things like they do in spring training where they're interviewing players and like they have things like that to where it's engaging for fans who love to be at the stadium, but in a different way because they can't be there. And I don't know the logistics of that at all, but things like that would be pretty interesting, at least to me.
0: It's funny, you you mentioned the engaging stadiums now. Reading is is renowned for being one of the most engaging stadiums. And Lehigh Valley, you know, they got a lot of the same people involved up there uh, that make that same experience. What's it like to play at those two ballparks?
3: Oh, it's so fun. Both of them are very different in different regards. And we'll start with Reading. Reading, obviously, it's got all that history. It dates back forever. So many great players have played there. And the stadium still looks like it did like 60 years ago, I bet. But uh, there's really no comparison to a stadium in an atmosphere like that because it's so close and so like the fans are right there. It's honestly, I think it's one of the best places to watch a game as a fan. There's so much to do. You bring the family. The kids have the little carnival thing back there. Uh, it's really intimate as I was saying like you can go you watch a game the players whoever you want to go watch is right in front of you and the fans there, are as loud as they get anywhere else so that's really fun and then Lehigh also they pack that stadium out all the time and they do a really good job marketing with the different specialty jerseys and theme nights and things like that and there's always people there and those fans I think it's just a Philly fan thing like Philly fans just pack out anywhere where they can watch some Philly sports. So, I mean, both of those places are fantastic to play in because the fans are so into the game and so um, baseball aware to where they cheer for the right things. They jeer the right things. they, They really, I mean, they make it fun for sure.
0: This is a quick follow up. Did you ever save any of those funny jerseys for yourself?
3: Uh no, a lot of times they auction them off and they do uh I mean most of them are for good causes, good charities and things like that, so I let those ones go, but I keep a lot of the hats.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Luke, what's um you, you we were talking before about Alec and we were talking about Spencer and and uh I, I guess I wonder if the new rules might help them a little bit, whereas you know how, and, and we're just now just talking as kind of analyzing a different situation here, but, you know, obviously if there's all DH that might give Alec a chance to to get more time instead of being stashed at AAA for a certain amount of time and, and the need for pitchers, they may be playing a lot of double headers depending on how they structure it, so you might have expanded rosters there. Uh, do you think those guys bec- will actually benefit in some small way from any of the modifications of the rules that happened this year?
3: Yeah, I definitely think it'll help a lot of guys that are kind of on that cusp of being big leaguers. And the guys that everybody knows are super talented, they might give them a shot when otherwise they wouldn't have for another year or so. But, I mean, different times call for (laughs) different measures, I guess. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say it definitely helps out a lot of players that are right on that cusp um so yeah
0: so speaking of changes one of the changes that's going to happen for this year is that the 2020 draft is actually going to be five rounds and you know you yourself drafted round seven just, have you thought a little bit about how this draft is going to change things because i mean you've played pretty well up through the system um mm-hmm. with someone like you have really gotten a chance if if they cut it down to five rounds
3: yeah, it's kind of weird to think about. I actually was joking around the other day about, like, man, I probably wouldn't have been drafted and things like that. And uh, But, I, I mean, it'll be really interesting. I think the five-round draft for this year is really going to strengthen college baseball next year because there are going to be so many six to whatever rounders that are really good baseball players that are going to stay another year, play their senior season, or the JUCO guys that go to a four-year school and it's going to make college baseball really, really good. So I think it'll be, I mean, obviously it's not great for a lot of the people that want to go play professional baseball as soon as possible, but I like to try and find the good in things. And I think it'll be good for a lot of players to go get another year of experience and have some fun playing college baseball. So.
2: So I'm curious uh, in any of your discussions with teammates or, or even players from around the league, uh, minor or major Luke, that I know obviously there's a lot of uh, Latin American players in baseball and mm-hmm. a lot of them make their off season homes still wherever they're from in Latin America. And I don't know, you know, in the middle of spring training when everything's shut down, I don't know if guys could go back home and be with their families and then worry about getting back into the country or whatever it is. So do, we, do you have any stories or do you know what it's like specifically right now for Latin American ball players since the shutdown?
3: I don't have any specific stories. I know a lot of our Venezuelan players are still in Florida. They're paying for them to mm. stay in the hotel down there. Mm. And I know Venezuela is tough because of the situation down there. And I know a lot of the Dominicans went back home and they have all their places to work out and they're doing good. And the Puerto Ricans, it's – The US territory, so I think that'll be okay. Um, I really don't know. It'll be, I'm sure there'll be some pretty strict quarantine guidelines when they get back. Like maybe they'll have to bring them back a little early to just kind of let them quarantine for a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Josh Tolls, he's living with me. He's from Australia and he stayed here because he didn't want to go through the potential of quarantining there and then quarantining here. And uh, yeah, I really. That'll be an interesting thing for them to have to kind of overcome because there are so many players from around the world, which is also part of why baseball is so great.
2: Yeah. Did Josh? Does he normally have his family come from Australia over here in the summer? And have they not been able to because of this, or is uh, it normal
3: for him? They usually don't come over in the summer because he okay. plays back at home in their winter league, so they get to watch him in the winter, and then in the in the summer he comes over here. So.
0: Now, one thing that was proposed and, and very well could happen, uh, even they may never have ever, ever have a game again at Williamsport for the Crosscutters. I know you played there. I, I was just curious of your thoughts on contracting the minor leagues a little bit. And, and for the Phillies, that means they're, they're, they're without a team at Williamsport, which which is a little surprising to me, given the significance for the Little League. and, and But just love, love right. to hear your thoughts on that.
3: You know, that's a kind of – tough subject (laughs) i know there's a lot of uh strong opinions one way or the other uh i like i was saying earlier i like to try and find the positives and things and yes it really does suck for a lot of the people that are a part of those teams and hopefully that those people that want to continue working in baseball can find jobs in baseball other places if this goes through um But yeah, I mean, it's it's weird, but I think it does help in certain ways the situation of uh, minor league player pay and things like that. And I I mean, I haven't done enough research to tell you if it's the right choice or the wrong choice. Um, I don't really have an opinion on that yet. But I mean, I think there's some good and bad to both sides, and hopefully, it doesn't affect people's lives too negatively
0: you mentioned the history you're into the history like what was it like to play at Bowman Field in in Williamsport
3: well when I played there it was before they started doing the the Little League Classic where the big league teams would come down there and play so it was still a very old stadium (laughs) now it's beautiful they've redone it and everything's really nice Um, it was an interesting little uh, adaptation for me getting into professional baseball because it's uh, I mean wafford we didn't have in like a incredible stadium, but it was a nice little stadium and uh you get there and in the middle of a state I have never been to before at that point point. and uh it was it was interesting <laughs> it was a a very fun crowd. there were always good crowds there, especially when the World Series was there, the Little World Series a lot of those fans came over to our games um, but it was definitely a little bit of a learning curve going on and going to see all these new small towns and things like that. And it was pretty fun uh, in that regard, but uh, definitely different.
2: You know, you know what I keep thinking about Luke is that baseball to me offers maybe the most unique experience or moment in sports. And that's when a minor leaguer, and no matter how long he's been in the minors for, makes his major league debut. It's special. Everybody, no matter who it is, it's always kind of that key moment, right? And I don't think you can get that in, say, football or, or basketball because guys usually go straight to the league, right? And I thought about this year, how many guys will probably wind up making their major league debut in front of an empty stadium or like a 1-100th-ville <laughs> stadium. It's, it's still a great accomplishment, and it's a great feeling, but part of me feels because that's such a special moment that can't be replicated by the other sports that it's, I don't know if you've thought about that because you yourself could be that guy Mm -hmm. uh, or among those, that group of people this year. But um, it's just, it's just strange for me to think about that moment, kind of having being taken away a little bit by having nobody there to really, you know, cheer it on.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, I've definitely thought about that a little bit. And it's one of those where it would be an interesting story to tell someday. (laughs) And uh, you also have to take into account that, yes, it's a little bit different. There's no one in the stadium. There's no one physically there that's excited for you to make this debut, but there's going to be millions and millions of people watching on TV, especially if baseball is one of the few sports that's being played, then you're probably going to end up having more people watching you than you would have any mm-hmm. other way. So if you think about it that way, it's still special. Obviously, obviously, it's special, but I mean, I'm going to try and take the positive again here and say that if it does happen, there will be more people watching.
2: <laughs> there you go. I like
0: that. <laughs> so we're just about out of time, but I, I got I to know, did Lululemon call you? Uh, I, George is reopening first, right? So you're in Atlanta. <laughs> did, did Lululemon call you and ask you to come back?
3: Uh, they haven't officially called me, but when I was leaving, my manager said, whenever I come back, I have a job waiting for me. <laughs> Your
2: manager went like this. Yeah, Come on
3: back.
0: <laughs> <do you> mean? <laughs> Well, Luke Lefwich, thank you so much for spending some time with us, and and best of luck to you. You, you know, you could I be on that taxi that. squad that the Phillies put together for this year. We'll find out soon. I maybe, mm-hmm. hopefully, maybe. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. But but all the best to you and your health, and and thank you so much for coming on.
3: Yeah, it's been a blast. I really appreciate it.
0: Many thanks to Luke Lefwich. He's a great Twitter follow. I encourage you to give him a follow at Luke. Underscore left witch coming up. We'll talk about what's keeping baseball from starting and the agreement with the players association. We thought it would be a lot about money last week, but it looks like players are really concerned about health. We'll be back after this. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody. This is the Powder Blue podcast. Welcome back to the Powder Blue podcast. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher, Hunter Brody, and we are talking the return of Major League Baseball. Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich had a pretty thorough piece on the 16th about the return to baseball. And it seems to me, gentlemen, that last week we thought it was about the money. This might be about safety. Uh, Does that surprise you, Jeff?
2: Well, I mean, it depends on how much you really believe it's about safety. I believe, you know, Blake Snell has come out and and had his words, and I think the... (laughs) That he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, maybe not with what he meant, but the way he articulated it. Or you might have just only seen a snippet of what he said across a, a TV Chiron or something and not seen the whole quote. But, you know, he's making a point that players are assuming 100 percent of the health risks and he won't, in his words, get back on the field, uh, taking less money when the players are assuming all the health risks and the owners get to sit up in the box and social distance and, you know, have no no worries about it. But I, I believe this is not really an argument that's solely about health issues versus ownership. I believe that it's, it's deeper than that. I believe money folds into it. You know, if I were to, I, and I think Blake speaks for himself, but I imagine that I mentioned on the last podcast, right guys, that no matter what happens, no matter what kind of document or collective bargaining agreement you put between players and owners, one side is going to hate it on principle because there's just such a level of distrust on both sides, and and there's we could go deeply into labor relations, and that's fine, no big deal. Um, so the point I'm trying to make is that I do think players are used some players, and maybe in this case, Snell are using this the health risk, which is a real thing, as a kind of cover to the fact that they just want to make sure that they're getting theirs. And I'm not saying they're being selfish or because they are entitled to the money, and it's true that they are assuming 100% of the health risks but I think that they're also trying to marry the two concepts together to get away with it a little bit, and I don't, I'm do not i not buying it 100%.
1: Yeah, it seems like if you are see, I'm normally pro player. I believe that they should fight for their money over these owners, but it seems Agreed. like if, if you're going against Blake Snell in this scenario, which I openly am – It automatically means you're on the owner's side. And I don't think that that's fair because I'm not on the owner's side. I see this as CNN and Fox News, right? You got two sides that are just completely on their own wings, and they have to come together in this moment and find a way to compromise. It's not going to be easy, but they're going to have to find a way. And, you know, I think he's using it as leverage, as if he wants to play, he's concerned about the health concerns, He'll play for the right amount of money, though. It's not like, hey, right. here comes the right amount of money. Uh, I'm still concerned about the health issues. No, no, no. It's, you're concerned about the health issues, but if the money's right, I'll be on the field and play, and that's where I'm disconnected with Blake Snell.
2: But is he – I mean, if you really boil down what he said, is he concerned about the, or, or did he really just come out and say what he said? He said, we are assuming – of the health risks. And therefore I want to make sure we're getting paid. Like we're assuming 100% of the health risks. I think his bedside manner was atrocious at at this time, but I, when I just look at what he said, word for word verbatim. And if I take like the voice out or the apparent smarminess to it, I think he's right. And I I think you probably agree with that. You just, I think we all are rubbed wrong by how much he kind of rubbed it in the face of people who are, are hurting right now in American society. Well, here's his
0: exact quote. He says, I got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? You know, he's going to make $7 million this year if he had played. And he says, y'all got to understand, man, for me to go, for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. And those were some comments he made down in St. Petersburg just about a week ago. So uh, if if he was a... Not a $7 million player if he was a major league minimum player, Hunter. Do you think that that would make a difference?
1: Well, let me ask you this, if just to make sure I am correct. He just got a real deal, right? Like This is going to be the first season where he would be making legit big money because he's coming off of his early contract.
0: So, yeah, so in March 2019, he agreed to a 50 million dollar five five-year contract.
1: And this is so. a Cy Young winner, so I think he's feeling it emotionally, and it's just poor timing. I mean, all this is poor timing to everybody, but if, if somebody like Mike Trouty's been making an obnoxious amount of money for years comes in and this happens, well, it, it hits differently compared to a player who's been a Cy Young winner, and now it's t- finally time to make the big cash, and then this all happens that first season.
0: Yeah, and his manager says, he said, I would imagine there are players that feel that have concerns about their specific health and the health of their families and teammates. He said, I think that's fair, and we all should to a degree. So that's his manager, Kevin Cash. Now, let's take a look at some of the proposal that has leaked to the media about health. Now, this is a 67-page document. And are we going go based-
1: to that, or...? What's that? Are we gonna I'm go, not going to read all 67 pages. Go, page go That's what you mean. This is what the people
0: want, Frank. <laughs> um, in fact, 62. I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with the Athletics Ken Rosenthal version because it's like you know, just a an article. Uh, but um, but Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich of the Athletic they they went through this 67 page document that was delivered from Major League Baseball to the Players Association on Friday, and these are this is said to be sort of a working document, you know, it's subject to union approval, of course, and, and it could change. Now here are some of the things that might, might happen here. So the first thing is no exchange of lineup cards. Anytime a baseball is put into play and touched by multiple players, well, then you need another baseball. So it's even more frequently, they'll, they'll switch out the, even, I guess if they all used hand sanitizer, you know, before they go out to the field, I don't know. Um, wearing, uh, there's not going to be masks worn on the field, but there will be masks worn when they're off the field. Standing six feet apart during the singing of the National Anthem, sitting six feet apart in the dugout, and they even have a neat, neat little diagram to show that they would sit in the stands above the dugout, socially distanced, if that makes it happen. So 67 pages of this. So what do you think about those those
2: first couple things, Jeff? Uh That's what I think about it. Eh, You know, okay. Um I I don't understand the hand sanitizer thing. I mean most guys wear batting gloves or I'm just saying,
0: like, you know, that why not just have some of that right if you're throwing a ball every time someone touches it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, (laughs) listen, I'm gonna get I don't want anybody to think I, I don't love America or that I'm unpatriotic or that I'm taking any political side here. But if there were that much health risks in standing for the national anthem together, does it Absolutely have to be played before every single game. I mean, could you do it once to start a series? Do you really have to do it at all? Could it be read? I, I don't know. I just, you know, again, we're, we're getting into some real minutiae here of what you can and can't do that makes it just hard to comprehend this thing being pulled off correctly. Yeah, I, a lot I look of like the,
1: the KBO kind of thing, you know? Like do they have these rules where you can't spit and you can't touch your face and like all these crazy rules? Do they have that going on in their league right now because there's been zero coronavirus uh players, players positive for coronavirus since they started.
0: Well, they're they're probably being extra 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 careful and I think that that's that's giving the players the this I guess the peace of mind. I guess that's probably what they're going for here. Like, what uh, if a
1: baseball player, a pitcher, which is very standard to do, licks his fingers and then touches the baseball? You just do that without even realizing you do it sometimes. Do you lose a, a run? Like, oh, well, it was 5-1. Now it's 4-1. <laughs> now it's 4-1. Like, what are the rules going to be?
0: Well, they actually say that. You can't. So we'll, we'll go through some of these. You're not actually not allowed to lick your fingers or, or spit or <laughs> it's crazy. there's all these things. But you're right. It might be so insti- instinctual. Uh, well, but blowing let's, let's...
2: in your hands is actually regulated already. You're not allowed to yeah. do that on certain, uh, you know, once the temperature gets a certain certain uh, degrees, right? Yeah,
0: because people are just trying to get moisture for the baseball. That's right. That's, that's the reason why people might well, do that's it. Why, but...
1: That's when you touch your hat and you get a little, you know, what I mean. Yeah, you're yeah. my hat your sweat. <laughs>
0: All right. So here, here's are some of the things. So first and f- foremost, testing, because that seems to be the 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 key to a lot of things. Because if you if I don't care where you go into If everybody's tested on the way in and they're able to get an immediate result and they're okay, well, then you can go in. Although we know that it sounds like it's not that foolproof, but uh, the plan for testing, regular testing for all players, managers, coaches, and umpires, plus a limited number of staff members who might come in contact with players. MLB will monitor testing, make sure they always have the best testing available to them. And the vast majority of tests will run on saliva collections uh, though the oral or nasal swabs might be used at times and maybe blood samples for antibody test testing. So I, by the way, have you ever had, have either of you had that, that nose swab test? That were, no. You, and I'm I've kind of seen glad it. I have it. not. Yeah, yeah. It does not look fun. <laughs> yeah. My, my mother had one and it's, they really put that thing in there. So, so yeah. it sounds like they're trying to make sure that the uh, testing is least invasive as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, they'll check temperatures, all the usual stuff that you see going on right here. Now, here's what has to here's what has to happen. Each club is responsible for procedures for isolating, transporting, testing and treating individuals who have potential symptoms. Now, I just got to ask you this. Are Major League Baseball teams set up to do such a thing? Is that is that a fair burden to put on a Major League team? Or do they I mean, have to go you, find their own physician and take them away from somewhere else? I think that's 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 a real question. No, I, I
2: mean, I mean, you're asking these guys to you know play baseball at a time in which there's a tremendous number of health risks. The least you can do as an organization is to protect your employees is provide the proper medical care for them to be able to carry out their job. I, I think it's absolutely incumbent upon each team to have this or the league to even centralize it and then have the league distribute it to the teams, whatever. I mean, the league wants to play, it wants to continue. I I know the players make money too, but it can't, one can't happen without the other. And can you imagine how difficult and convoluted it would be uh, if every player had their own physician, their own tests, and then those tests had to be passed along to a team physician. You want it all centralized. You want this to be the most streamlined, efficient process that you can possibly make it.
0: All right, let me get to some other things since we're we're running short on time. So spring training, fifty players per club, period. And and here's an interesting thing. It says for clubs that conduct spring training at major league parks, workouts should be staggered throughout the day to avoid overcrowding. So it sounds like they're giving them the option of of even doing it at their home ballparks, which I I find particularly interesting since, you know, we were just kind of expecting they would go back to um, spring training too, but they say. If you do have them in Florida and Arizona, the games will begin at 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. local time to make sure that it's not too hot. So 7 p.m. Florida, 9 p.m. Arizona. So that's an interesting thing there. Uh, facility protocols, you know, there's there's going to be a limited number of people available there. They're really trying to, to keep, keep – uh, Keep the numbers down of of opportunities for somebody to pass something. All right, so just just to give you the uh, you were asking about spitting and coughing. So here's some of those health standards, right? So no uh, no communal water or sports drink coolers. You can have personal water and that's it. No spitting, using smokeless tobacco and sunflower seeds in restricted areas. So I guess maybe they'll have us maybe maybe like the uh, stands in right field will be your you know where you go to do your tobacco or sunflower seeds. I guess but that's something there. It says any physical interactions such as high fives, fist bumps and hugs must be avoided at club facilities.
1: I'm lost for words. It's going to work. I'm, (laughs) I'm lost for words. You're taking away just natural things that occur without you even thinking. Now the social distancing thing, when it comes to hugs and high fives, I think right now we are so trained do to, to not touch people and thing like you see people do you handshake Do you elbow I mean you're just trained right now to kind of step away so I don't know if the high fives and hugs would be that much of an issue the spitting and all of that I think that's nonsense to say that you're not allowed to spit I mean come on you're just gonna do that it's baseball
0: well I got one more thing I want to bring up showering at club facilities is discouraged so what do you
1: do? Shower at home. It's like you're a child again. That's you, you what they want you when to do. You're back at home, yeah. they want you. Well, to I shower mean, at I home?
2: think I think that what the clubs can do is very. You know, there's not going to be obviously not going to be a post game handshake after each game. Last pitch, final out. Everybody gets their belongings, gets on the team bus, heads over to the hotel. Everybody goes to their own room and showers.
1: Yeah, and you you're probably gonna that have that's, more. That's not. you probably gonna have
2: more. Week. I would hate
0: to be on that bus. <laughs> Yeah, and and of, they just the bus. Just, just played perhaps 18 innings <laughs> because you might be playing doubleheaders. I, I don't know if this, I want to be though, on that it's, bus. It's
1: not like it smells as bad as hockey equipment or football equipment. And I'm not saying they're not going to smell bad. Of course they are. But, you know, you get into a bus filled with hockey equipment or a football bag. I mean, you want to vomit. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be to that level.
0: All right. So uh, one more thing to talk about. So travel, they say Uber and Lyft and other rideshare Uh, are discouraged but they they actually say use of public transportation and individual private transportation is also discouraged so they, they you can't even get in your own car and drive to the stadium they want it to be controlled environments from the teams and that means whenever possible teams are to fly into smaller airports so do if you're the if you're the atlanta braves coming to philly do you fly to atlantic city and then just get them on a bus to go the rest of the way is that that's probably what they're
2: talking about right maybe lehigh, lehigh valley has an airport as well i think that might be a little bit closer Trent, trenton might actually new. even be closer than that's that, a good point so. why did trenton, i well. think
1: that they were canceling flights as a whole and going bus why did i think that was a thing is yeah, that are, are they
2: not still dividing the teams in regional areas so that they didn't have to travel by, so I, by I
0: believe that since it, the things we talked about last week are the most recent so maybe they the the east versus east i think that's what you're talking about here but but yeah so i mean you're not gonna fly into jfk or LaGuardia.
2: uh no you're gonna take you'll take trains to probably the new york the baltimore uh and um who else would be uh, boston you could even take a train to to be honest with you or hey, they
1: you might fly to boston. Scranton
2: and then take it a-
0: or aren't they trying <laughs>
1: to limit the whole public transportation train? But if it's concept? a if it's
0: a if it's a chartered bus, oh yeah. And yeah. Basically, yeah, they yeah. basically say too they're going to try to try to make sure that the the flight crews are the, are just ML, MLB only, which you might be able to do in uh, a situation like this. So, so it seems like that this is really uh, there's a lot in process here. But they, they do say at teams home cities and spring training cities you can stay at your own homes you now as long as you're avoiding public areas, but. This is, this is a tall task I, I think this is uh, I think they're trying to, to cover every base that they possibly can but is this even doable well I'll tell you what Bryce Harper has a plan to return and when we come back we'll talk about that we'll lay it out for you this is the powder blue podcast Frank Close, Jeff Mosher Hunter Brody back after this and welcome back to this powder blue podcast just a few minutes remaining and Hunter, Let's let's take a look at what the Phillies' own Bryce Harper thinks the season should look like. He has his own plan to resume. And by the way, we mentioned Blake Snail. Bryce Harper actually came out and said he's not wrong.
1: Yeah, if you see the clip, too, he was playing on Fortnite. He was playing on Twitch, and it was very... Like, if you just see the quote itself, you might dive into it deeper. But if you hear the way he was answering the question when it was who, uh, Bryson Stott, is that who he was with?
0: Yeah, so for Philly's prospect, Bryson Stott.
1: It was so nonchalant, like, oh, yeah, I mean, I agree with him. And then they just continued to play. So it wasn't as if he really dug into, like, the context of the conversation. It was a very nonchalant answer.
0: So let's, let's quickly look at what, what Harper has to say. He thinks... Here's his plan, all right? Now, I don't know if anybody asked him his plan, or maybe it's too late at this point, but he says, East-West, like the NBA, 135 games beginning in July, off day every two weeks on a Monday, and Sunday doubleheader seven innings. 30 players, six-man rotation, save arms. If pitchers wanted this, if not, no big deal. (laughs) DH and other things possible. So it's, it's, it's not that exact, but... But what do you think about squeezing in 135 games? Is that enough days off, too? That is
1: way too many games. And there's people banging on the tables when I say that, freaking out and getting all red. It's baseball. They can play every day. No, no, no. They they need rest way too many games. But here's the thing. We talk about what the players want. And right now they're getting those prorated salaries. So if they play 135, that might actually get them to consider it because they'd be making a significant you know, significantly more money than if there was say 82 games.
0: That's a great point. So maybe, now here's his thing, because obviously that if you do it that way, it would, it would stretch the season into the next season. So his plan to to, uh, overcome that is actually you start next year, May 1st. So, so this season sort of goes longer. Now he doesn't say anything about playing in, in Minneapolis in uh, (laughs) January, which I, I, I don't, I do not know that I would want to be in Minneapolis, the St. Paul region in January, but you know, he's, he's willing to let it go, go forward from there. And uh, he wants an all-star game. He wants a home run Derby. And that's pretty ambitious. You know, of course the, the, the Las Vegas native says you can play it in Vegas. So you have the strip hotels. We could use one hotel for all the guys and contain them.
1: It does seem a little crazy. And Hey, good tie by the way, with Vegas and Bryce Harper. Right. So, Hey, you never know, but, It does seem a little far-stretched, in my opinion. And I wonder if, and this is the way my mind works, maybe I'm crazy, I know I'm crazy, but when I saw the post, I thought, is it possible the MLB told Bryce Harper to maybe report this to see what the initial (laughs) reaction would be? I mean, we've seen the MLB put out five different theories so far. And I think they did it for a reason. So they can see what sticks at the wall with the fans. I'm not putting it past MLB. I mean, they aren't the best when it comes to up to date stuff. This could be a concept that they roll with to see what the opinion is around the sports world.
0: I I tend to think that the latest one we heard is going to be it, but, but who knows? By the way, before we close, I think, I think as, as good as Bryce Harper's uh, comments were, some of these comments from, his followers on Instagram. I'll just read a couple for you before we close better commission than Manfred. I say everybody just takes batting practice off Trevor Bauer in the desert. Can you be president? I won 120 games minimum says one fan. So um, there's a, there's a lot of ideas out there. Someone says it's actually a good idea, but you know what? I think any idea that gets baseball going again is, is safely. Uh, would be something I'm in favor of even if we can't pack Citizens Bank Park just yet. But until next time, Frank Close for Jeff Mosher who had to run Hunter Brody. This is the Powder Blue Podcast. We will catch you next week.